Hi everyone. Since launching our podcast, we've changed the title from Bryce's Spectrum Stories to Parenting Autism. You can follow us at parentingautismshow.com. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Sandy Coulter, and I want to welcome you to Bryce's Spectrum Stories. This is our very first episode, and my husband Chris and I have just felt it laid on our hearts to share our story on a larger platform. We're very open about our son Bryce, who was diagnosed with autism uh, two and a half years ago. He is now five years old, and we are traveling this journey together, and we just hope that each person who finds us and listens to us will find value in this. For those who are walking the journey or have had their lives touched by autism, we hope it can provide encouragement. We hope that it can provide insight. And for those who aren't familiar with it, we hope that it will educate you that life goes on and it's just a different type of a journey and that you will find a nugget out of this episode that will touch your heart and that you'll enjoy it. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Bryce's Spectrum Stories. I am so happy to have you here, my love. I know this has been a big journey for us and to just introduce us to the audience that may be listening. My name is Sandy and my hubby here, Chris, (laughs) joined me on this adventure. We are the proud parents of a wonderful five-year-old boy who has been diagnosed with autism and we just want to share our story and our world with more people to help them understand it and to just give some insight to that so on that note we're just going to kind of have a conversation among ourselves and we hope you will and tune in and and listen and that you'll learn something from it Mm -hmm. so on that note I know we talked about where should we start our story at the beginning At the beginning, once upon a time. Now, um, we did talk about where we should start. Should we start right with his autism diagnosis? But Bryce has such a history for five years that I think we agreed that we would kind of start with what preceded us even knowing that we were going to have Bryce. And uh, so, as you remember, um, Mm -hmm. we were vacationing in the Big Apple in New York and going about life it was a great vacation (laughs) in fact remember we were inspired to start the blog about he said she said yes that was uh, one of our best vacations i think even though i'm not a city person but uh we did a lot of things in a couple of weeks and it was just a great time every day it really was we had a, a good plan going on there um including being on the good morning america wasn't it yeah yeah so that was a lot of fun but um what I remember is that we talked about doing a blog because we were doing so much traveling at that time. And we thought people would like the male, female perspective because I look at things one way, you look at things another way, that sort of thing. And so we had actually come home and started that because we have our photography business as well. So we kind of had a little following, you know, through Facebook and stuff. And then I can remember when we came home, um, Sharon and Nelson were about to have their babe, their miracle boy, and they were a couple years older than us at that time, and we were 43. Yeah, so we were 43. Mm-hmm. And I remember being at the baby shower, and, <laughs> and I'm like watching them celebrating. And you know, I had always wanted to have a baby, but 
I had just accepted at a certain point it wasn't meant to be, and that was okay. So I gave all my love to other children, my nieces, my nephews, our photography clients, babies at church. It was, you know, the ones I babysat. But anyway, I remember sitting there, and I looked at you, and I said, (laughs) you know, there's this little part of me that would still love to have a baby. (laughs) And you... (laughs) <laughs> put your finger about a half inch apart and yeah. said, here, take this and put it on the table. So I did, and you yeah. like smashed the invisible thought that I had going on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And we laughed, and I'm like, well, I'm really okay. But it was just, you know, it was very touching watching them, and they're having their miracle. And, and Nelson said, we're praying for you. He did. He I'm told like, you, I'm no, praying for don't you. don't pray for me. <laughs> we're good we're good and then we were at mom my mom's that weekend and then she said when are you gonna finally when are you gonna have a baby or something I said oh no that ship has sailed I'm when I say I'm 42 and you go uh you just turned 43 I'm like well there you go it is shipped the ship has sailed note to husbands don't remind your wives how old they are but you know anyway that's kind of where we were that was our frame of mind at the time you know was we accepted it. We were traveling. We were happy. Um, you know, we had done Alaska a couple times. We did New York. We were planning the next big trip out in California. And um, then all of a sudden, whoa, we were uh, sh- shocked to find out that we were expecting a baby. And so we, you know, we're, Chris was really recovering from the shock. I think I was as well. Well, you're, you know, 43 years on the planet and you've never had a child. <laughs> pretty shocking (laughs) it was pretty shocking (laughs) and then i remember when we uh heard the heartbeat for the first time and saw the heartbeat on the ultrasound and it was becoming real and then we made it to the 12 weeks which you know they always say if you make it through 12 weeks you should be good through the first trimester and there was just like that little blip that they had a concern about but nothing major but i just asked them if they would do one more ultrasound just to make sure because otherwise we wouldn't have an ultrasound till like 20 weeks so they did. They scheduled the ultrasound for week 13, and we went in, and I remember the ultrasound tech was so quiet. And then she's like, mm, did you guys do your genetic testing? No, because didn't we feel like we needed to do that. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is if there was something wrong with the baby, we weren't going to terminate the pregnancy. We always mm-hmm. knew we would leave anything in God's hands as the creator. And... uh but I, that was a very sad day. That's the day that we were told that our baby had trisomy 13, an extra chromosome, or at least that was what they were suspecting. But we had to go see the specialist on our anniversary, mm. <laughs> November 5th. So when we celebrated seven years, we met that doctor down in Palm Beach, and we got to see the baby again. And that was um, the last time that we got to see him alive yeah. and moving around, and he was still active. But, you know, that was really sad. So I I bring all that up because I just feel like it's so much a part of our story. Um, We named him Malachi because he was God's messenger. Mm -hmm. And we knew that there was a message for us. He made it 20 weeks. 17. Oh, 17. That's okay. My bad. It was close. (laughs) It was around there, yeah. 17 weeks. Yeah, 17 weeks. And then... um, You know, we had a lot of people praying and following our story at that time, of course. Everybody was really disappointed and sad for us. But we knew that we prayed for God to either heal him. And he did. He healed him and took him on to heaven. But it was hard. And I, I remember a couple weeks later, I was at Cracker Barrel with Lori. And, you know, she was asking me how I was doing. And I just told her, I just didn't think I could do that again, ever. 
get pregnant again. You know, and you and I really hadn't talked about it because it was, we were still reeling. Yeah. I mean, I, I was like, you know, this happened, you know, what's going to happen next? Yeah. I mean, if we have another one, I mean. I think you were really hesitant yeah, to try again. I mean, that's, I, yeah. I was hesitant to follow that whole thing up. Yeah, that was, that was hard. So then we had scheduled a cruise just to get away. And it seems like things happen when we travel. And we went on that cruise. And five weeks after we lost Malachi, I got pregnant. And I just had this feeling because I was really praying. I was like claiming the psalm about God to give me the desires of my heart. And if not, if it was not meant to be, then please remove the desire. Hmm. But I mm-hmm. really was feeling like I, at this point, it became real to me. And I, I really did want to be a mommy, like have my own baby and not adopt. I knew we could have adopted, but I really wanted my own. I felt that calling. And, uh, and then when we were on the cruise, I just had peace about it. So I'm like, okay, I'm either pregnant or <laughs> he removed that desire and that's fine. And I didn't really say anything to you about it because I didn't want to, you know. You don't want me to squash it. <laughs> squash it. Or, you know, get scared. But uh, that's funny. So <laughs> anyway, lo and behold, we were pregnant again. And this time it was Bryce. Yay. So we know that God gave us Malachi to prepare for Bryce and and Bryce would need a guardian angel. And um, in my heart, I believe Malachi serves that role, and he has very well. Mm-hmm. But the pregnancy was wonderful. Um, we didn't have to see the specialist after a few weeks because everything looked good. The pregnancy was great. The delivery was great. Everything went seamlessly. In fact, the midwife, um, Lisa, who's awesome, she said that you know that was one of her best deliveries that she had ever experienced. And of course, I think it was extra special because we all sang happy birthday to Bryce in the delivery room, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had such a great team. But yeah, everything was great. He came at like, and this was God's plan too, because went into labor on October 4th in the, what, five in the morning, I think we left here. It He did not make it on the 4th. Um, It went all the way to October 5th, which was fine. And he came like 2.25 in the morning. But I can see now why God did that was because had I had him on the 4th, I would have been discharged from the hospital on the 6th. Well, little did we know that the day after he was born on the 6th, that he would stop breathing and that he would start having seizures and that we would discover two days later that he had the brain bleed, you know, which was a stroke. Mm-hmm. Grade, Severe. Yeah. Grade four brain hemorrhage that more than half of the babies don't survive. So because, you know, I was still a patient of the hospital, I was able to be there in the NICU and go down at any hour to see him. I couldn't hold him all the time because obviously they were taking care of him. He had to be bagged for oxygen several times when he would stop breathing. But uh, having said all that, we had to really make that tough decision as well because he was in a, what is it, a level three NICU um, at Lawnwood. And we had to make a decision where to take him because still nobody knew what was wrong with him. Mm. They were just speculating. Yeah, speculating. Yeah. So I remember, I do remember this one doctor said something to me about that he thought he may have seen something on a scan about a brain bleed. But he wasn't sure if it was had happened before he was born or after he was born. And that kind of stuck in my head. So 
good old Google. I Googled like the best neurologist um, for children. And I asked in on Florida. Facebook. And then you were asking on Facebook. And then, of course, Leslie, mm-hmm. who was our sister-in-law, she's, you know, a doctor. And we were getting her opinion. But everything, all signs were pointing to Miami Children's. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, yeah. One of our other friends on Facebook named Leslie, she suggested Miami Children's, too. So we just really looked into that and found out how good they were with his type of situation. So we right away uh, told the doctor that's where we wanted to send them. And the doctor said, hey, uh, we have to make sure there's a doctor down there that will accept him. That's right. So we're like, okay. And they they did things pretty quickly. Yeah, um, I think they knew the urgency of the situation. Yeah. And uh, we had a great doctor down at Miami Children's accept him. And then uh, they were going to life flight him down to Miami from us, uh, which we're in Port St. Lucie, so I don't know how long of a flight that is, but uh, miles-wise, I think it's about 100 miles. But it turns out that when they were ready to fly him, that the weather was not cooperating, and so they had to send an ambulance, I think, up from Miami to get him. they did. And they they took him by ambulance down to Miami, which I was concerned because that's a much longer trip by uh, highway. And down here in South Florida, anything can happen on the highway. It's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of accidents on I-95. So it was definitely a, uh, I would say, slower um, pace to get down there. And um, so I remember we came home. I think and well, we we started. We were heading home, yeah. But then they called us and said that they had shown up early, mm. so we did a U-turn and then we went back to the hospital. And oh, that's we, right. We went back yeah. to Lawnwood because right, he hadn't we were, left yet. He hadn't left yet, and we were waiting for the team there to get there, and it was taking so long. So we were going to go home and grab some stuff that right. we would need because we knew we were going to Miami that night. Yeah, and we thought we were going to follow the ambulance, right? Uh, but that wasn't the case. No, and then. He stopped breathing while they were in there preparing him, yeah. which was scary. And then they went ahead and intubated him. The doctor was on the phone from Miami, and he told the team, just go ahead and mm. intubate him. So that way, if he has any other seizures while he's en route. And that know, was heartbreaking be for okay. me because. Yeah, I, so then we saw that. I didn't want him intubated. No, you didn't. He was just so small and so yeah. precious. I just, I just didn't want to believe that it was that serious of a situation, but we gave him the okay and they did it yeah we and, had to and then they they rushed him but out that was there. a big decision we i mean had to it was a good decision on that. looking back on it it yeah. was the best decision so um yeah we had god guiding our hands and our thoughts through all of that so they they got him down to miami we did come home at that point which i have to say i i was really making a a conscious effort to not think that i was walking into the house without my baby Mm, because yeah. that was hard, you know, walking in, going into his nursery. Yeah. And I remember when I came home, the mail had come that day, and it was the book that I had just designed and ordered that documented the whole pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And um, I just kind of felt like that was a positive thing, that I had that, and that everything was going to be okay. So I didn't really grab clothes for him. I grabbed his outfit that I knew I wanted to bring him home in, which was his Philadelphia Eagles outfit. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that Justin got him. And uh, I knew I wanted to take that. And I honestly thought that when he was, I we had no idea. We had no idea how long he was going to be there, what was going on. We got I, there late. I just we? knew I was planning on bringing him home. Yeah, like two in the morning or something yeah, crazy. Yeah, they, they got us. he got there at 11 something. And I think we got there at one or two. And then they got us that room, which was mm-hmm. amazing that that yeah. was even available. And yeah. yeah, so, you know, we got that room that was within walking distance of the hospital, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it had the extra space so that my mom could come down and she stayed with us. Mm-hmm. She came the next day and um, she we didn't stayed sleep with us. Much. No, there, there wasn't much sleeping. And, no. you know, I had my milk that I was pumping and. Yeah, in between right. and all of that. Yeah, because I had actually started to nurse him, and we were doing great on day one, and then day two, voila, it happened in the morning, and everything kind of went yeah. from there. But on a an amazing, miraculous note, I mean, we had a an amazing prayer chain going for him. You know, and a lot of that came from us building the blog and the he she and the Facebook and the too. Facebook mm-hmm. and all of that. People all over the and world, and then people started sharing it with people that they knew, and then we were getting notes that. There were people in Australia and there were people in Europe and there were people in England. I remember mm-hmm. real specific and all over the United States and, and people just praying for him everywhere. And you were doing a great job of keeping updates because I was kind of zoned and in my own land. But um, I think that was my form of therapy. Yeah, know, uh, sure. I mean, we were there a couple of days and and. We were so exhausted, and I think God, you know, I just realized that I had to turn everything over to Him because I could not handle that on my own, and I, I just had to double down that I knew that He was in control, and there really wasn't anything that I could do, you know, except for pray for Him and ask other people to pray for Him because, you know, it's it. God gives you these checks in your life and you know he reminds you who's in charge when when the times get rough and he reminded me really quickly and uh, that was the only way that that I was able to get through that whole thing yeah I remember that day when you went out for a little while and you really just had to kind of collect your thoughts yeah. I mean I was I was really sad and really hurt and I, yeah and my saddest day was that day that we arrived the Tuesday after he went like he drove down on Monday night and I remember Tuesday we went to that hot dog place and I really didn't want to eat but you know we had to eat so we found this place and we're over there and I was at this point I realized how much pain I was in and then I looked at my feet and you couldn't even see my ankles right and I'm like, I'm a patient too. <laughs> you know? Like I totally forgot that I just gave birth yeah. less than 48 hours ago. Yeah. And um, and I had never given birth before. So like my whole body was still in shock and all these things were going on. And I just remember that moment, like I was just so sad. I felt mm-hmm. so sad for me. I felt sad for you. I felt sad for the baby. I didn't know what was going on. And I just remember that being the moment that I, I had cried when we were down there and I think after that I really got through that I had um put together a playlist of songs and a lot of them were from this uh Christian songs that we sing from Worship Loud and I had put that together 
for my delivery day because they kept me calm and they kept me at peace, which was great. And so I had that same playset down there in Miami. So when I hear those songs now, I, my mind will go back there. But mm-hmm. it really helped me. I can remember singing in the shower and just giving it to God and knowing that he was he was in all of this. And I didn't know what was going to happen. Listen, we had just gone through losing Malachi. Mm. He had a reason for that. I remember asking the doctor when she did tell us, you know, that he had the the brain bleed. And she's like, I do want to let you know that it's, it's going to be a long road for recovery. He very likely will have cerebral palsy. He may have blindness because of the area where the bleed is. And she was listing all this stuff. And I, I kind of just felt a little numb when she was telling me all that. And then I just remember saying to her, is he going to live? And she said, we really do believe He's going to make it. But if he doesn't, I mean, if we think he doesn't, we'll, we'll tell you. I said, will you promise to tell me? Because I don't care what happens after this. I just I just want him to live. Mm-hmm. I can deal with whatever else I yeah. can. You yeah. know, and I felt like God was giving me strength at that time to deal with whatever was ahead, which is kind of ironic with the whole autism thing. But at that time, you know, that's kind of where our minds were. So that's why I feel like this is important to start here because it Mm kind of does lead into the journey we've been on the past five years. We, we, you know, we spent hours and hours and hours in the NICU with Bryce. And one thing that was surprising to me, it was the other babies in there. They they didn't didn't, meet any other parents. We didn't meet any other parents. And there was a lot of babies in there for 10 days. We were there and we did not meet another parent. I think we saw, I mean like actually introduced and no, no introduced, but very rarely would another baby get visited. And we felt so strongly that we had to be there for him and that we knew that if he knew that we were there for him, that, that he would hold on to us, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we could just love on him as much as we could, however we could, because he had all these wires on him. But, you know, I, I could put his little fingers around my finger, mm-hmm. you know, and talk to him and stuff. And and uh, it made me sad that that there weren't other parents there for those other babies. It, it just struck me that way, and I, I just had to mention that. But Well, and it makes me grateful because we were in a position where we were self-employed, Mm-hmm. Where I'm sure a lot of those parents were in a position where you're not expecting this and you don't have an employer that'll just let you off work. Mm-hmm. So to me, how blessed were we that we had already blocked out six weeks that we knew we were taking off, planning to spend it with Bryce. Yeah. Not knowing we would be spending it in Miami. Right. But we were able to be there every day. So, yeah. but did that make a big difference for him? Yeah, I think so because yeah. he knew our voices sure. already, you know, from when I he was tell. in the womb. So he was responding to us and. Um, you know, with all the prayers, I remember you asked the doctor, you know, what if there was a miracle? You think there's any way we go home? Because they told us at least two months and Mm -hmm. he's like, no, no, no. You prepare for two months and then 10 days later. We were out of there. We got him. Yeah. So we brought him home. On a monitor. On on the monitor. (laughs) It was kind of a scary moment. It's a precious package. We do do want to take it. But yeah. (laughs) But no, we did. We brought him home. We had the monitor and we we had the seizure medication and that was like. A little bit of pressure that we were feeling because you yeah. had to give it to him twice a day, every 12 hours. And mm-hmm. if you miss like within 30 minutes of the window, you know, then things could happen. And then it always had to be adjusted depending on his weight. It's mm-hmm. a really, if you're not familiar with seizure medication, it's 
pretty pretty detailed and um, intense. So it changed a lot of things for us. In fact, like we couldn't go to the church service that we normally would go to. It was very difficult taking him out with a monitor and dealing with the medication as well and trying to work that 12 hour time where we would be awake and be, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, at a place where we could go ahead and give him his medication. So there were a lot of things we had to change. And um, in fact, that's kind of what led to us changing churches Mm -hmm. because it was so difficult for us to go to Morningside, who we loved and where we had gone for so long. But then they, we weren't able to get the messages Mm -hmm. because at that time they didn't have anything online. And I think they had cassette tapes, but Mm-hmm. or just CDs, I don't know. But I'm like, it, that just wasn't working in our world at that time. And then someone told us about Christ Fellowship online. Mm-hmm. And um, so we started watching online, which really worked well for us. GoChristFellowship.com. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, that was yeah, it, we you love, know? Uh, we that was it. awesome. And, and that so, was our church. That was. Know, so we so. were home-based church for a long time. Yeah. So. <laughs> I remember when the first time we went to the church live, it felt like we were seeing celebrities because we were so used to seeing them on TV. <laughs> oh, there they are. They're a yeah. person. But um, anyway, it's interesting how God does all of that because, you know, and then who? how do we know they were in Palm Beach? And I thought, wow, that's a long way from our home, like a good hour. Yeah. But we didn't know that God was going to open a campus in Port St. Lucie 10 minutes from our house and that we would be a part of, of starting that yeah. church and not also knowing that we would need their special needs program that they have mm. for the children right. because without that, you and I wouldn't even be in services together today because right. now Bryce can go in that classroom and it's in a safe environment that works one on one with him with his autism. So pretty cool how God just has used things over the line and how we look at all of that. Having said that, la la la. So how long was he on the monitor? Oh, geez. I think we got him off. Well, okay, we did the six-week checkup where they did another MRI and stuff, and we could see that it was healing, but obviously we needed to still keep it because it looked pretty fresh. And then when we went back in May, um, they were doing another checkup for him, and Mm -hmm. we begged at that time. (laughs) Is it possible to take him off of the monitor? Because we kept getting so many false alarms and it would scare the boohoo out of us. Yeah. You know, remember that one time I hit the table and like bruised my leg because I thought uh, I had to like go get him. And oh my gosh, every another time, time that thing the would alarm go. went off and I couldn't shut it off. <laughs> and so it's it was like two in the morning. Yeah. This thing's going. It's like a smoke alarm. Yes, it's that loud. It's piercing. And so I did everything. There's no battery to take out. There's no nothing. So. I took it outside and I threw it out in the backyard because it was driving us bananas. And uh, <laughs> I didn't even hear it. Yeah. So I, I, I called the, the number that was on it and they're like, oh, okay, here's what you got to do to reset it. You got to press all these buttons or whatever. And well, yeah. finally it, it stopped. But I was like, we can't keep that in the house. That yeah. Was, Let's just say the day we got to take him off of that was a happy that day. That was a victory. That was a victory. He was still on his medication, but. He hadn't stopped breathing. And we felt safe. He hadn't had any spells. So we really felt peace about that. And then with the medication. It was just before two. Just before two. We weaned him off of that. We asked if we could wean him off of that. And I know Dr. Corrales, who has been his neurologist since day one when all this started, from Miami Children's. He was hesitant. Yeah, At first he's like, okay, okay. And then he would look at Bryce's scans from the beginning. He'd be like, oh, wait, no, let me think about this again. (laughs) Because... He remembered how bad it was, <laughs> but we're like, it's okay. We really feel it's okay. 
We're like, worst case, you know, worst case, we can put him back seizure, on. Right? And mm-hmm. what would happen if he had a seizure? Would it be fatal? He's like, no, no. And he wouldn't even know. I'm like, okay. So it would just freak us out. We're willing to take that as long as price is okay. Yeah. But uh, we did wean him off. It was um, it was a really slow process. At one point, we tried to, we had to slow it down even more because he was having nightmares. Um, and so... Of course, he couldn't tell us what he was seeing because he wasn't quite too. But we could tell it was bad, though. We could so. tell it was bad, and there was some word he was trying to tell us, and we were kind of figuring it out. But we did get him off um, right before his second birthday, mm. which was great. And at that time, you know, now you have the twenty twenty hindsight about the whole autism thing. But at that time, we did not suspect anything. However, you have to remember, we had been watching Bryce since we brought him home from Miami Children's. To see how he was going to develop because we were prepared for the worst. Yeah. Right. We were looking for signs. So we celebrated with this baby every single thing. In fact, Bryce was dubbed the Facebook baby because we had him on there all the time. But we knew that people were excited for us Mm -hmm. and for him. People had invested prayer and tears and even money. People raised money to help us with the financial mm-hmm. part. I mean, people had invested in our family and certainly had invested a lot of emotion into Bryson. So, you know, we felt like we wanted to share these victories with him. So, you know. And he was really good with letters and numbers and oh, he was, just coming along. Everything was normal. Yeah. You know? And he was talking. I mean, talking yeah. like he would say words. He identified things. No issues with um his motor skills, gross right. motor skills. He was just following along developmentally. Walked like on time. Any child would. Crawled, um, all of that. And then it was like right when he was turning two, you know, you have your little list that they give you that, okay, you should be doing this and that. Of course, I was watching that very, very closely just because of the other situation. And I noticed that he wasn't putting words together, but he had a lot of words. So, like, he could identify things. But, you know, animals, he knew animal sounds, all kinds of stuff. But he was not starting, as my friend Lindsay, who's a speech pathologist, said, she said he should be stringing them together. So I reached out to a couple of people that I knew worked in that field and said, you know, what what should I be looking for? You think he's okay? And then when I asked his pediatrician, she kind of blew it off, you know, which I understand that he had just turned two. Boys are known to develop a little later on some things and he was talking it wasn't like he wasn't verbal at all i think somebody asked us if he was pointing and that was bridget yeah and we said no he wasn't pointing yeah yeah when my friend well you know our friend bridget who is our matchmaker and introduced us (laughs) but um bridget had gone through something very similar with his with her son and even though he was never diagnosed with autism he had a lot of delayed developments as well And had to get therapies and she had him in early steps. So I remember her saying to me, um, you know, Chase wasn't pointing. So that was one of the things that they pointed. And I said, you know, I don't, I I started watching then, you know, no, he's not really pointing or asking what's this, what's this, you know, like usually the kids are curious. So she kind of planted that seed in my mind at that point. And then I had said to, um, Chris, you know, I, or I said to you, sorry, I'm talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I said to you, I know, I don't know. I think maybe, maybe he's a little delayed. Maybe we should look into language, you know, cause his brain rewired. So mm-hmm. we knew it was going to rewire, which it had been going smoothly, but let's remember, we don't even know how it's going to rewire. It's a new area. And I didn't 
you know, yeah. I, being a new dad, I, I wasn't sure if he was on track or not. You know, I hadn't. Sandy had been around a lot more kids than I had, you know, and um, so I, I I was just following your lead, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I I, I remember telling you that I'll give it till he's two and a half, and if he's not where I think he should be by two and a half, then I really think we should start doing something and look into this deeper. So I think I told you that like in October, right after he had turned two. And you know, things were like okay for the next month. And then we got him uh, an iPad. And I remember when he was starting to play with his iPad that he called cow because he had a cow on there. But, um, he, you know, he was playing it all the time. And then he started doing what we now know to be stimming, but we didn't know what it was at that time. He was like jumping up and down, like really excited. But remember he did it like so much that he was like pouring with sweat Mm -hmm. it was ridiculous like his clothes were drenched and he was flapping his hands yeah which we didn't know what that meant we just thought he was jumping up we thought he was excited we thought he was excited and he was (laughs) the truth be told he was excited and that's what he did when he got excited because i remember when we brought the bunnies home for the easter pictures later a few months later and we had the rabbit in the house and when he saw it i remember recording him and he was so excited again he was jumping up and down and doing what they call flapping but you and i didn't know that was flapping so you know I just remember like that was jumping out. That was bothering me. Like, why is he doing that? Oh, my gosh. He's overstimulating himself. That's, that can't be good. Mm-hmm. Is this because of his brain? Did something rewire that's causing him to do this? So, I, you know, I'm recording him. I'm sending it to my mom saying, is this normal? Because <laughs> I don't think this is normal. Oh, honey, he's just excited. You know, yeah. I mean, she didn't know. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I don't know. Something tells me it ain't right. But, you know, that mama's instinct thing. But. Anyway, um, I remember then like in February to March, so we weren't quite at two and a half years, but we were getting closer and it was bugging me. So you were taking to the pediatrician for something. I said, would you please ask them again about the language delay? Because mm-hmm. I don't know, something's not right. So you're like, all right, I'll ask. And then they just told you um, to, they gave you the card for the speech person and, you know, yeah. and really again it could just be a delay i wouldn't and i think someone else just out of their own i think keith when you ask your brother he had said yeah i would maybe by the time he's three if he's not talking because people don't know you maybe yeah. it's a delay i'm like oh i don't know i think something now so we went to that speech place here and they were new and we didn't know them and i remember her evaluating him to see if he qualified for speech and for the insurance purposes and uh that was just nothing was working and she was trying to get him to say uh, give me mm-hmm. like for weeks yeah and she couldn't get him to say anything and nothing was going on is that and, when we found early steps yeah it was like right around that time and then we're like okay there she's there then like the next week we got into early steps that's a program here in florida yeah and i think they have them from what i'm hearing from different um people like throughout the united states everybody okay. has some form of it yeah but uh yeah so we went to early steps which was what pretty Bridget had recommended. So I remember we went and they were going to do the evaluation and it was hours. And, uh, oh my gosh, that was hours a bad day, wasn't it? observation of him and questions for us. Yeah, like three people. Like, One's working with Bryce. You know, one was talking to us and one was taking notes. After a while, I don't know if you, you know, Charlie Brown, the teacher on uh-uh. um, Charlie Brown, wah, 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 yeah. wah, wah. Just, that's what it sounded like after a while. Well, they kept uh, asking us questions. We didn't know what. I didn't know what they were saying. And then I knew at this point they're leading to autism. 
like I could pick up on it at this point. Is he doing this? Is he mm-hmm. doing that? You know, he's got a lot of red flags for autism. We're not saying that he has autism, but we're telling you there's a lot of red flags. Yeah, for that. and I don't think they could legally say no because they're to not us. in a position to diagnose, right. but, but they, they are in a position to help start getting him help that he may need right. and encourage you to go to the neurologist. Yeah. You know, or a doctor yeah. that does a diagnosis or whatever. I just remember that one lady and she was very nice, but she just like, he's so lost. He's not even here. And I'm watching him and I'm watching them try to get his attention. Yeah. You know, and how he was with us here at the house, he was a little bit different with like worse mm-hmm. with them, but we were losing him too. I mean, it's true. It had to, Looking back on it, we now, knew I mean, it. it was yeah, obvious, it was. But. It was. It was sad. I remember crying. I'm like, I can't believe we're, <laughs> I can't believe we're going through this. Something else. What? Um, I mean, he had gone through. So I felt sad for him. It wasn't yeah. even for me. I felt sad for him. This baby had fought and fought and fought. I could cry again to recover, but you know, now he. This is happening. So, anyway, we got that news, and then. Thank God, and I am thankful because I have listened to other uh, parents share their stories, and they have had to wait like six months to a year to get a diagnosis. And without the diagnosis, you don't get the help that you need. Well, Mm -hmm. we had the cell phone number of Bryce's neurologist because that's how awesome he is. So We had that prior relationship, so he was already on the radar. Yes, and he moved him right in. I sent him a bit, and then we got there like in the next week. And um, <laughs> I'll never forget it. He's asking, well, how's his eye contact? Is it, how often, you know, what percentage would you say he's looking at you? And you're like, oh, he's looking at us. You know, maybe, I don't know, what was well, your I percentage? Said, I said 25%. Yeah, I'm like, I think it's more like 5%. He's like, uh, yeah, neither one's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm optimistic, you know. but <laughs> I'm realistic. I know, right? <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, and uh, I remember I showed him the video because I recorded Bryce long. flapping, and yeah. within seconds he stepped back and he just yeah. shook his head and he's he, like, "I'm sorry." I said, "You don't have to apologize." Yeah. And I I know that most parents when they get that diagnosis, like it's official, it's like a sucker punch. But I think my sucker punch came when we were in the early steps, and she said he's so lost, and all the signs were pointing, mm-hmm. and I'm like, really, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Because I really thought it all tied to, you know, all the other stuff that had been happening. But it's okay. I mean. I mean, the good news is we caught it early. We got the diagnosis. Yes. And we were able to take the next step. Yeah. You know? And yes. that yes. is so important. You know, some parents, they they just don't want to believe that something is wrong with their child. Or what if they get the, quote, diagnosis, you know, is that going to be stuck with them forever? Yeah. What's it going to do to right. them? But, you know, we, we felt strongly we have to do what's best for Bryce. You know, he needs therapy. He needs this help. Give him the diagnosis so that we can move on, you know, and, and get oh, him yeah. the help that he needs. And, and I'm so glad that we did. I'm so glad. Glad we did, too, because we were definitely it was a definite regression, as they call it. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, we saw that for sure. Yeah. So we got the diagnosis and uh, then we started building his team. And that's what we're going to talk about on the next podcast. But this one was really so we could kind of just share our story and reminisce here together without crying. Hey, mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. cry. It was close a couple times, but. No, I, I am so excited that we're doing this, honey. And I want to thank you for coming on board because I know. I've we're been, team, we're team. I know. I've been telling you the past couple months, this has really been laid on my heart. 
and you're so awesome in the way that you went and got all the equipment together and it was amazing how we already had about 90% of the stuff that we needed just from different things that we do with your music and um, our photography and videos and stuff but we're here and we're doing this now and I just am excited because I know it's, it's going to help somebody it's gonna out help there. Somebody out yeah. there. It's going to help us Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It is. It's like therapy and we get to, <laughs> <laughs> and we get to talk together without Bryce interrupting yes. us. Bryce is in school. Bryce is in school right now. Yeah. yeah. So, so. We're, well, that's where we have this plan. When Bryce is in school, we can squeeze in 30 <laughs> to 45 minutes to have a conversation without yeah. give me, give me. So you made a Facebook page, right? I did. So I what's did. what's that called? Bryce's Spectrum Stories. Okay. The same so as the podcast. Search for that on Facebook. You should be able to find it. Yep. Uh, also, I just launched a website called Florida Autism Forum. So what I'm trying to do is uh, when we were in the early stages of getting Bryce diagnosed, I mean, there was no place to go that had all of the information that we needed <clears throat> about autism and what to do. So I've launched this website to try to gather all that information for for people that need it in Florida. And I know every state is different, so that's why I specifically did it for Florida. And I broke it down in the counties. So if there's an event in your county, just click on your county or the event calendar and you can find things like that. And it's so much needed in the autism community. Plus, it's a forum. So it's kind of like a Facebook group, which we also have a Facebook group for it, Florida Autism Forum. And uh, where you can share ideas and what's worked for you and and help other people in the same situation. It's really nice. Yeah, I think it's great. And um, yeah, and then I put the Facebook page up there for Bryce's Spectrum Stories just so that people can contact us as well. They can message in through there and I'll be checking those emails. And if there's anything you want to share, like with your story or Or if you're related to something or if you have questions for us, you know, because everybody's at different walks in this journey. Chris Mm -hmm. and I still have a long ways Mm -hmm. to go with Bryce, but we are two and a half years in. And after, you know, at this point we kind of have our feet on the ground. It's different every day, every week, but we do feel like, We're here to share. So on that note, we're going to wrap it up. We're going to thank you for listening in. Thank you again, honey, for doing all this. I love you. And I'm really looking forward to doing more together. Me too. All right. Have a great day, everyone. See ya. Well, hey, guys, we hope you enjoyed our first episode of Bryce's Spectrum Stories. And uh, don't forget to subscribe so you can get our next episode when it becomes available. And also, if you like our podcast, please give us a review. That way more people can find us on the podcast uh, websites. Thanks again, and have a great day.